meu viver. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you streaming live from Rick Bonfim Ministries office. And we will be studying the book of Colossians. So uh, this, this is Colossians month, as uh, we were talking about yesterday. And we'll be spending time as a staff in the book of Colossians and invite you to be a part of that. Uh, it's only four chapters. And so uh, I invite you to just read through it once a day for a week or so and and meditate on it and see what the Lord is talking to you about. And then join us here in the mornings at 9 a.m. so we can walk through the book of Colossians together. I think the Lord has a lot in store for us to encourage us and lift us up through this book. So this morning I'm going to start with the first eight verses on the book of Colossians. Just the first eight verses. And uh, there's a lot here. It's it's packed full of stuff. And I think we'll, have, we'll, we'll enjoy it. So I'm going to... Read the first eight verses first. I'm, I'm going to read the text, okay? And then a uh, little bit of intro- introduction and then, and then sort of pick it apart a little bit. So join me as we, as we read Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Those are the first eight verses. These are sort of Paul's Paul's introduction to this church in Colossae. So, um, what is the setting is really the first question. What's Paul doing? Why is Paul writing this letter? And who are the people involved going on? You know, in that time, if you think about the book of Acts, and if you read the book of Acts, which I invite you to do, uh, earlier this year we, we walked through the book of Acts as a staff, and that was a, an amazing study. I invite you to go watch some of those Bible studies. That was a that was a lot of fun. I mean, Paul, Paul, and not just Paul, but Paul and others are going all around spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, planting churches everywhere. And so, one of the main places that Paul went was Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. And there were a lot of churches that were planted in that area, and Colossae was one of them. But interestingly. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Paul who planted that church. It was this guy, Epaphras, who was mentioned here in uh, verse 7. And then also he's mentioned at the end of the book in chapter 4 as Paul's uh, closing his remarks. He said that, that the Colossians actually heard the gospel from Epaphras. So 
So Epaphras heard the gospel from Paul, probably in Lystra or Derbe or somewhere around in there. And then Epaphras becomes a church planter. And that, that's sort of the scene of how the gospel was spreading there in, during those days. And that's the environment that Paul is writing in. Is, is a young church, he's probably writing this book. or not? Well, it, it would have been a letter. We call it a book. He would have been writing this letter to this church uh, from Rome, by the way. He's in prison at Rome when he's writing it, around 60 A.D. And so this church is pretty young, maybe 15, 20 years old at the most as a church. And... And they've grown, they've received the gospel, and people have come to faith and, and, and know Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is moving. But now there's some problems, right? <laughs> okay? Now there's some problems in the church. <laughs> okay? And so I hate to tell you, if you want to be a pastor, if you want to be a leader, you've got you to gotta be willing to deal with problems in the church. Now, that's just normal, right? Don't, don't be bothered by that. That comes with the territory. It's okay. And so Paul has to write this letter because because Epaphras has come to Paul in Rome, came and found him in Rome and said, Paul, uh, we have some things going on in the church in Colossae, and you know I've been trying to work it out, but things are things have sort of reached the pressure has built to the point that that I I need some help, I need some apostolic help here, Paul. I mean that's really that's that's really the scene, and so Paul is there and 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 so. He and Timothy and Epaphras and and if you if you go look in chapter four later, Paul mentions several other people that are with him there. You could just you could just kind of see them sitting around, you know, because Paul was under house arrest in Rome. It's not like he was in a dungeon; he was in house arrest, and so he could have visitors. And you could see you could kind of see, you know, Paul calling up uh, his buddies and saying, "Hey, Timothy." Can, can you come over this evening? We've got a problem in Colossae. Let's talk it out. Let's, let's discuss it a little bit. Because, you know, Paul didn't have, he didn't have Microsoft Word. Okay? He didn't have Google Docs. He didn't just sit down with a word processor and start typing. There was a lot of discussion. There was a lot of talk that went on. And so that's sort of the environment. That's sort of the situation of how a, a letter like this uh, kind of came to, came to be. And... Uh, and Paul mentions some really, really interesting things in this in these first eight verses that are are sort of uh, uh, well, I guess common in the scriptures. Things that we could bounce off of and and do a Bible study here. For instance, he mentions he mentions that the uh, the Colossian church has faith, hope, and love. All right, so th- those are like the three, right? Uh, you know, these three remain: faith, hope, and love. Of the greatest of these is love. He says that in in Corinthians 13, right? And so that that's sort of a uh, uh, classic thing to give a Bible study on, you know. Uh, he mentions uh, faith in Christ. He mentions the gospel that's spreading throughout all the world. So, you know, you could stop there and you could just use this as a springboard to do a whole Bible study about uh, the spreading of the gospel and how the gospel spreads, you know, uh, throughout, the, throughout the whole world. Uh, uh, you could do some different things, but... I, I prayed. I said, Lord, I, I think that there's there's got to be something here. I, I don't want to just use this text as a way to just create a Bible study. What What's going on here? And, I, and so I began to see in the heart of Paul and Epaphras some things. Because these are the two main players 
The Apostle Paul, who was called, knocked off his horse, had a vision, you know, or heard, heard the voice of God, scales covered his eyes, and, and Jesus said, you know what, why are you working against me? And Paul goes and finds Ananias in uh, Acts chapter 9, and, and Ananias says, uh, I hate to tell you, but your life's never going to be the same. You're an apostle now. Changed his life forever, right? And Paul just gave everything. I mean, he was beaten and flogged and shipwrecked, went, hu- went hungry. I mean, he suffered for the gospel. And so this is the man who's writing this letter. So we need to listen to his words. And then you have there with him a, 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 a young guy named Timothy. And so he, he sort of uh, credits Timothy with helping him compose this letter. You know, that's who Timothy was. Timothy, uh, Paul said of Timothy, I have no one like him in Philippians chapter 2. In other words, Timothy is, is, is the guy that God sent to me to help. And so Timothy is there helping to write this letter. And then you have Epaphras, who we talked a little bit about, who's a church planter. And so, uh, so what, are, what are the things that I see? I'm actually going to go out of order. I'm going to go out of order than how I wrote this Bible study. I was going to talk about Paul first and then Epaphras, but I'm actually going to talk about Epaphras first because one of the things I see in Epaphras in the heart, in his heart here, is that Epaphras appeals to his spiritual authority for a problem going on in his congregation. Okay? And there's a, that, 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 that's a mouthful. Okay, if you if you know anything about the scriptures and about church leadership, Epaphras submits to his spiritual authority when things in one of his congregations gets a little bit out of hand and 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 he starts to get overwhelmed. You get the idea that Epaphras really kind of became the district superintendent <laughs> because at the end of this letter, Paul says that he's they're supposed to read the letter in Colossae. Also in Laodicea and also in Heropolis. So, and then also Paul mentions that there was a letter he wrote to the Laodiceans that they're supposed to read. So, so Epaphras is kind of like the district superintendent, where you have all these churches in the area, and then the stuff in Colossae is just getting a little too difficult for him. So you see him in, in submission to Paul as his spiritual authority, and it's a powerful move by Epaphras, okay? Because he knew, he knew that he needed to seek out Paul and depend on his authority to help him with what's going on in Colossae. Now, let's look at the concept of authority in the Bible and why this is so important that Epaphras does this. Because he could have said, well, you know, I, I, don't, think I, I don't think I really need Paul. I just... I'll figure it out. Right? And as much as we struggle with church leadership and the fact that sort of the institution of church uh, can sometimes go sideways and we can say all kinds of things as Methodists about what we see in the United Methodist Church right now, uh, I don't want to do that, but I want to I establish that, that God, has, God has set in place the concept of spiritual authority. And it's, an inter- and it's a powerful thing, and we need to submit to it. For instance, in, in the Old Testament, God set Moses as the leader of the people. And then He set Aaron as the priest. And not just anybody could go and be a priest. And, and by the way, a month or two ago, Pastor Rick did some Bible studies on the consecration of the priest. And, and 
And what it, what it really meant to go through that process of being anointed as a priest, I mean, not just anybody could do it. If you walk up there and offer strange fire, or you walk up there and, and your sins aren't covered, you're toast. You can't just walk in the presence of God and say, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm, 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 you know, I'm the one who's going to talk to God. I mean, God will cut you off. Saul, Saul and David were kings, right? God chose them. So the concept of leadership among the people of God is, is clearly evidenced in the New Testament and the Old Testament. I mean, God values leadership and spiritual leadership in the people of God. And we cannot discredit it, and we cannot say that it doesn't matter and think that we're going to have success. Let me say that again. Now, this doesn't mean that you always agree with your pastor or your DS. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God values spiritual leadership in his, among His people. Okay, that's throughout the Old Testament. It's throughout the New Testament. Okay, you see it all throughout the Bible. Spiritual leadership is established and valued by God. And we cannot discredit it and think it doesn't matter and, and think that we're going to succeed. There is a blessing when we come under spiritual authority, spiritual leadership, and be willing to submit to it, even though we don't always agree with it. Okay, now, now I'm never going to say that you just uh, listen to your pastor, even though they, he tells you things that are heretical or things that are sinful or tries to, you know, uh, the pastor says it's, it's okay for him to steal money. You know, so... <laughs> So the well, the pastor said, you know, okay, so that, and, and there's 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 accountability for our, the leadership as well, and and we see that, okay. So the authority doesn't mean you just get to do whatever you want, okay. So, um, but there's a blessing when you submit to spiritual authority. Let's look at some scripture verses here uh, from other passages of Paul, okay. Here's one in First Thessalonians chapter five. First chapter. Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Okay? Respect them. Hold them in the highest regard in love. Oh. You don't begrudgingly submit. <laughs> okay? Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Not easy to be a pastor, you know. And pastors aren't always going to get it right, and that's okay. We just got to have peace in our hearts about that. But if that's the man or the woman who's called of God, then they deserve our respect. They deserve that we hold them in high regard. They, they, they deserve that we regard them in love, live in peace with each other. Let's look in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Well, I mean, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You know? Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. <laughs> In other words, if you're going to cause your pastor a bunch of trouble, you're just hurting yourself. You're causing division. You're hurting the church. So spiritual leadership and authority is something that God established. So what, what is Epaphras doing here? He's submitting to Paul's leadership. Okay, he, he most likely heard the gospel through Paul. He knows that Paul is an apostle. And so he comes to Paul and says, Paul, 
here's what I see going on in Colossae. And I really, I really need you as my spiritual authority to back me up here. So can you help me out? And you know what? Epaphras is blessed because Paul writes a letter that really, yeah, first of all, one of the things that Paul does is he validates Epaphras to the Colossians. And so Epaphras was blessed in his decision to go to Paul and submit to his authority and say, Paul, it's out of hand. Help me out. And Paul says, well, I'm going to write this letter, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them that, that they need to pay attention to you. <laughs> in other words, they're the ones that heard the gospel from you. And so I'm going to remind them that you're the one that preached the gospel to them. And so they need to remember that. And so he validates Epaphras to the Colossians and says, whatever's going on here, don't you, don't you start causing trouble to this guy. You, you came into the kingdom through him. And so Epaphras was blessed by this. Now, okay, so that's Epaphras, okay, submitting to spiritual authority. And I see, I see there's a lot of power in that. He sort of, when he does that, he actually brings sort of a unity to it because he uh, sort of brings everything under the, the, the apostle here, Paul, and, and so gives Paul the attempt to sort of bring everybody together and say, okay, Let's, let's work this out. And so there's a unity there when he does that. Now let's look at Paul, the heart of Paul here. What is Paul doing? And what really impresses me about Paul in these first eight verses? And it's this. As a leader, Paul's tonality is so encouraging. He says so many positive, uplifting things to this church. And actually, as we, because actually, as we start to read the letter, we're going to find out that the church is a little bit of a mess. <laughs> you know, that he's going to talk to them about the supremacy of Christ because there's teachers that are coming in and they're questioning, you know, the divinity of Jesus. They're questioning, you know, all sorts of teachings that people are introducing about uh, dietary restrictions. They're, they're questioning how to, you know, they're having trouble even even managing their households. Later in the book, Paul's going to talk to them about this is how, this is how the, the house is supposed to, you know, this is how family is supposed to operate, you know, for those who are Christians. So, so they're having, the church is a little bit of a mess, but Paul doesn't start out just laying into them. Paul starts out validating them and telling them what's good about them. Man, there's a lot of really negative things out there in the world right now. A lot of really negative things. And, you know, just open Facebook or YouTube or the news, and I mean, you could get plenty of negativity. But Paul as a leader knows that he's got to validate what's good in them. You know, most of us already know that we have room to grow. We don't need people to tell us that, that we, you know, need to develop in our spiritual life. Most of us know that we have room to grow, right? And so as leaders, as leaders, a lot of times people need encouragement first. And they're open to correction. They're open to guidance. They're open to, to hearing sort of you have to work with them and bring them along in the faith and maybe point out some places where we need to change some things. But most people need encouragement first. 
Because you know we're all just trying to work it out. Let's look at some other scriptures. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So this is something that Paul practiced himself, and he asked others to practice as Christians. Let us consider, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards each other in Christ Jesus. Okay, so Paul found what was, even though, that, even though there was a lot going on that was negative, Paul found what was good. For instance, he says to them, uh, Grace and peace to you. We always thank God when we pray for you. He recognizes that they have faith. Whatever problems are going on, he validates and says, you have faith in Jesus Christ. And I see that in you. Not only that, you have a lot, you have a lot of love. Epaphras told us about how much you love the brothers and sisters. And you are really sweet and kind people. I also see that there's a lot of hope in you. You're not hopeless. There's a lot of hope in you. And in fact, you're... You're part of a, a large spreading of the gospel. You know, so he tries to increase their vision and say, you're, you're, you're part of all of us. We, we, we see you as part of this body of Christ that's spreading throughout all the world. The gospel, and he recognizes, he says, the gospel is bearing fruit in your lives. He says that right there in, uh, in verse 6. The gospel is bearing fruit in your lives. And so really what is Paul doing? He's prophesying to them. Speaking over them. So that they could start off saying, okay, alright, Paul's not just mad at us. <laughs> you know, Paul sees that we're trying to work it out. He sees that there's good in us. Now this, when you begin to apply it, not just in leadership, but also just in your life in general, okay? How can we apply this? Well, think about the people in your life. If you're a pastor, think about your church members. The spouse, you know, think about your spouse. Think about your kids. Think about your co-workers. Think about your brothers and sisters in Christ and church. Begin to premeditate on what is good about them and where you see God moving and where they, you see them as a blessing. What is positive about that person? And begin to thank God. Just as Paul does, he says, when I pray for you, I thank God for this. I thank God for your faith. I thank God for your hope. I thank God for your love in Christ. I thank God that, that He's bearing fruit in your lives. And so, in your prayer life, begin to thank God for whatever is good. And that's not to say that you don't see some things that you would like to change in the person, okay? That's not saying we just ignore that we all have room to grow. But, what is good about the people in your lives? Now, this, is, this applies especially to those that are difficult. <laughs> and you pastors are saying, John, this is too much for me. I have, I have so-and-so and I have so-and-so that sits in the front pew every, every Sunday morning like this. And they never say a good thing about my sermon. They just sit like this. Anybody who's pastored a church knows exactly what I'm talking about. I grew up in church, and they're there, you know. They're there. Pastor Rick says, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so, or, or a family member who just, 
You dread seeing them in the holidays. Holidays are coming up, right? Family member that you, you just, man, it's just so hard to find something. You just feel like they're negative all the time. That they're negative. That they just can't get along. And so, here's what you do. You say, God, I know there's got to be something good about this person. And for some reason, I can't see it. Okay? So, pastors, I encourage you to pray this. Spouses, parents, right? Co-workers. God, there's got to be something good about this person. And for some reason, I just can't see it. All I see is the negative. And like that, I just got to believe that there's something good in this person. So please, God, open my eyes so that I can see what it is that I'm missing. And then once God opens your eyes to see what it is, begin to thank God for it. And find a way to say that to that person in a positive way. Just as Paul does here. He starts off just with such a, a powerful tonality to, to build them up and encourage them and say, there, there's a lot of really good things in you. And he's going to get to the correction stuff as the book goes on. And we'll talk about that. It's, a, it's important stuff. But he doesn't just lay into them. And I think there's a lot of power in that. That's how Paul led, you know. That, that's how Paul was as a leader. And and I think, it, I think a lot of it came from Paul just... His own personal walk, he was, um, got five minutes. Paul, in his personal walk, was, uh, well, he, he killed Christians. I mean, you know, he knew that if anybody could point a finger and talk about, you know, a negative things, they could point at Paul and say, say well... You know, you were a murderer. And Paul said that himself. He said, I was. I think that was in First uh, Thessalonians. He said, yeah, I was. Man, I was, I was terrible. But God's grace saved my life. And that's all of us, man. We, you know, most of us know where we need to grow. Amen? Okay, so let's take a look here at just a few things that Paul does. And then I'll wrap it up. I only got five more minutes. So, um, so I ju- I'm just going to point out a couple more things real quick. Uh, so he validates Epaphras as a faithful minister in Christ uh, who declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And so we see here that as the gospel is spreading in the church of Colossae, God used this guy Epaphras. And the church, though they are struggling, okay, Though they are struggling, they have love in the Spirit. In other words, that's the fruit that, that God birthed in the church and in the people there as they're growing. Okay? In other words, okay, if, let me, oh, that's weird, the hands. Okay. If you start here as a Christian, okay, the expectation to go from here, which is, say, 0%, to perfection uh, is a process of growth. And so even though even though they have to grow a little bit, and Paul is trying to get them there, he wants to get them there in a way that helps them understand that they're loved and cared for. Okay, hold on, I have a I have a I have a quote here. Okay. 
A leader is able to guide a person from point A to point B. Okay? A leader is able to guide a person from point A to point B. So if we're talking about spiritual development, okay, he's able to guide a person from point A to point B. But a really good leader will not only guide the person from one point to another, but will leave the person feeling uplifted and victorious upon arrival. Now that takes a different type of leadership. There's a lot of leaders that are good at getting you to go from point A to point B in spiritual development, right? Let's crank you through the sanctification system, right? <laughs> Discipleship now! Come to all the Bible studies, read the Bible. <laughs> but you're good. Spiritual disciplines. Okay, but a really good leader doesn't just try to move you from point A to point B, but is able to minister to you along the way so that by the time you get to point B, you don't just arrive, but you arrive feeling victorious. And like you really overcame. And like you're built up. And you're a Christian who's ready to take on the next stage of life. And so those of you that maybe feel like you're trying to grow in the Lord, and you're feeling bad about yourself, I want you to know that God birthed in you love when you were saved by grace in Jesus Christ. God birthed in you hope. God birthed in you faith. And so where the devil is trying to put you down and harass you and make you feel like you're a no-good Christian because you're struggling, I want you to know that Paul the Apostle says, it's going to be all right. You're doing good. Don't let the devil and all the lies that try to come and harass you and put you down every day, make you think that you've got to give up and you're never going to be victorious. That's a lie from the devil. Just trying to make you think that, just trying to get you to give up. Hear Paul saying, like he did to Colossae, I thank God for you. You're a saint. You're a, you're a woman of God. You're a man of God. And you're going to make it. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about these struggles. We'll get through them. We'll overcome them. You're going to make it. Because God is faithful. He's not going to give up on you. And we won't either. Amen. So that, so that's my take on Colossians 1, verses 1 through 8. Intro, introducing this uh, letter from Paul to the church in Colossae. I hope you learned a little bit about Epaphras and who he is and and how he is operating there as the district superintendent. hope you learned a little bit about Paul and his approach to leadership. I hope you encouraged a little bit about how to apply the concept of, of giving thanks for the people in your life first because that gives greater opportunity for them to hear you out when, when you need to give a correction. I hope you're encouraged that if you're feeling down this morning, that uh, God sees you as somebody who is victorious in Christ. So don't pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to who God says you are. And I hope you got something out of this Bible study. I enjoyed being with you uh, this time. I look forward to seeing you next time as we continue the study of Colossians. Stay tuned because we have some really good teachings. Come on right after this. Have a great day. God bless you. Yeah.
coração de Satanás Clamando no escuro Correndo e olhando para trás E eu ouvi 